Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. And today we're going to be talking about UFC Vegas 68. And I want to say it's going down in, in Korea or China or Japan, but it's actually going down at the UFC Apex. So initially they were trying to make this, and it still is, like kind of like an Asian showcase card with like a bunch of the up-and-coming talent. But I don't know the logistics of why they couldn't actually get it in Asia. So what they're doing now is they're doing this card at the apex, but it's starting at like 1 a.m. Eastern time so that, you know, everybody overseas can catch it on time. So, yeah, in the main event, we got two heavyweights. We got the UFC KO King, Derek Lewis. When I say he's the KO King, that's not just hyperbole. This man literally does have the most knockouts, not just in heavyweight history, but in UFC history. And you have to be a certain caliber, historically speaking, to beat a guy like Derek Lewis. But Sergey Spivak, man, he's on the come up. I mean, this is a guy that's truly paid his dues. Y'all remember his UFC debut against Walt Harris where he just got smashed. To go from that and to put up some of the wins he's put up, I mean, this guy went out there, finished Tai Tuivasa, finished Augusto Sakai, and, you know, a lot of other wins along the way. And now he's in the main event with Derek Lewis. So, I'm excited. So without further ado, let's get down to business because the main event in the heavyweight division, we got Derek, the black beast Lewis. He's 26 and 10 taking on Sergey, the polar bear Spivak, who is 15 and three. Currently they got it. Sergey Spivak minus 225. The comeback on Derek, the black beast Lewis is plus 190. So what's interesting about this fight is that, you know, historically speaking, you get a plus 190 on Derek Lewis here, and you take it all day because, like I said, historically speaking, he beats this guy. We're talking about a guy in Derek Lewis that has a win over the uncrowned champ, Francis Ngannou, boring or not, to make Francis not want to engage with you. Like, hey, that speaks volumes to what kind of threat you possess. Knocked out Volkov. Come back or not, knocked out Volkov. Knocked out Marcin Tybura, uh, knocked out Curtis Blade. So, I mean, we're literally dealing with the most potent knockout artist we've ever seen, ever. And the thing that's awesome about Derek Lewis is that, you know, his fights aren't linear where he's just, you know, breaking you down piece by piece and then he finds the big knockout. More often than not, dudes will take him down, you know, past the side control. And there's not much resistance on, you know, the takedown attempts. But what Black Beast has made a career out of is when he's on bottom, especially in bottom side control, he is so good at exploding back up to his feet. And then when he gets off on that Black Beast blitz, I mean, that's when bodies tend to hit the floor. So historically speaking, I do think this is a situation where Sergey Spivak comes out here, probably limits the exchanges. Gets Derek Lewis to the ground. Derek Lewis explodes back up and knocks his head into the fifth row. The issue is that we're not dealing with a prime Derek Lewis. We're dealing with, see, the thing is, it's easy to say someone that's 39 or 40, you know, is past their primers on their way out, but that's the case in the lower weight classes. It, at heavyweight, I've seen guys go out there 39, 40, 41, even older than that win belts in their 40s. I mean, didn't Randy Couture win a heavyweight belt in his 40s? Uh, Fabricio Wardoom was pretty damn close to his 40s when he won his belt. So 
I'm not quick to say that Derek Lewis is past it just because of the age. It's just more so because of the performances. We're seeing him go down a lot in a lot of these last few fights and in three of the last four to, to be exact. But what he did show in that Chris Dacus fight is that if you're not quite on his level still, I mean, he can still knock you the fuck out. So it's a dangerous fight for Sergey, especially when you're talking about a minus two something line. Like, I think maybe if it's true that there's a decline for Lewis and, you know, the three of his last four fights, you know, being knocked out in them, knowing that, hey, like, you've lost two title fights already. You're probably not getting back to a title shot anytime soon. So there's that. But then there's this picture going around of Derek Lewis looking in great shape. And I see people being like, Derek Lewis looks like he could drop the 205. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Could drop the 205. Like, are you stupid? Like, this guy weighs in at the heavyweight limit every single fight. So if if you're joking around that he can make a 205 run, okay. But if you're actually serious that just because he lost 10 or 15 pounds that now this guy can fight at 205, you're, you've lost the plot and, and you just simply don't know what you're talking about. Uh, this guy wouldn't be caught dead at 210 or 215 or 220, let alone 205. So let's stop that bullshit narrative that just because, you know, he trimmed down a little bit that now he can fight at 205. Like, Jonah Hill cut cut like don't don't even try me on that bullshit. So it just comes down to does Derek Lewis have one more in him? Um, because Sergey Spivak's the kind of guy like when he's on top, he's dominant. He's been making a lot of progress, man. It's just that I've seen with Sergey Spivak when you put it on him, he's not the kind of guy to come back. He's not the kind of guy to you know overcome a knockdown. He's not the kind of guy that if you're teeing off on some ground and pound. You know, he'll uh, show some composure, get back up to his feet, and keep fighting. If you drop Sergey Spivak or you have Ser- you show Sergey Spivak the door, he will take the door. And the reason I bring that up is because if Derek Lewis can get off on that Black Beast blitz, if Derek Lewis can explode back up from side control and go after this guy, I still think he can knock him out. Um, do I think he will knock him out? I don't know. I really don't know. It's a tough one to call because it's like, what should I buy into? Should I buy into this current form of Derek Lewis, you know, isn't quite the best, you know, isn't prime form? Or should I just be like, hey, getting knocked out by Cyril Gaon, Sergey Pavlovich, and Tuivasa ain't that big of a deal? Or should I look at it as look at the improvements Sergey has made and now, you know, preparations meeting opportunity and he's facing Derek Lewis at the opportune time for him to capitalize. A couple of years back, I mean, you gave me a line like this on Derek Lewis, and I would have bet it over Sergey Spivak all day. It's just now there's a lot of questions. I don't know where Lewis is at. I mean, I think one more loss for Lewis, and that might be it. He might hang it up. So I'm a pick Sergey, but it's not a confident pick, and I want nothing to do betting wise. Honestly, I think it's a dog or pass situation betting wise because. If Black Beast has one more Black Beast blitz, historically he wins this fight all day. And what I mean by that is like, or Derek's beat multiple top five guys emphatically, beat Volkov emphatically, beat Blades emphatically, beat Tybora emphatically. Didn't beat Francis and Ganu emphatically, but it's pretty damn emphatic that he put the you know that uh, Francis didn't want to engage 
with with a with another grown man. That's that's pretty emphatic in my book. So I'm gonna pick Sergey just because of the youth and the momentum, but it's not a confident pick. I would not, I would not lay it here. It's dogger pass, pass for me personally. Y'all do me a favor too. Uh, smash the like button for me. I appreciate it. And also, I want to say this: How fucking good did the new UFC light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill look? last week man it's so cool when you scout a prospect from day one and you see them go all the way to the belt and but what's even more cool about them you know massaging my ego or any bullshit like that is that we have a 205 pound champ that fights like a little guy like did you see him go out there and break the significant strike record for 205 pound division more significant strikes than john jones has landed in any fight ever um, when you have a light heavyweight that can attempt 400 significant strikes and can get up from bottom like Jose Aldo, man, I just feel so blessed to be able to witness the Sweet Dreams era, man, because uh, just watching him perform makes me smile. That's like, it, it's just beautiful violence. It's it's what I want to see in a fighter. Uh, yeah, I'm just so proud. So, fuck yeah, Jamal. That was amazing, dude. Now, co-main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. We got a matchup between Daun Jung. He's 15 and three, representing Korea, taking on Devin Clark, who is 13 and seven. Currently, they got it. Daun Jung minus 240. The comeback on Devin Clark's plus 200. I was interested in Daun Jung at around minus 200, but you know everyone came in and steamed it, so now I'm not interested. Now I'm more interested in passing. You know, Devin Clark, he's kind of spastic. He's got a little bit of wrestling, some explosiveness, but you know, I haven't really seen his game evolve. I've seen his experience level, you know, get better. Like now he's gotten to the point where like, hey, if you're just some random newcomer, Devin Clark can probably put it on you. But Devin Clark will never be a top five guy. I'd be shocked if he's ever a top 10 guy because the same mistakes we've been seeing since day one when he got knocked out against Alex Nicholson, we're still seeing here in his current form. The guy explodes with his chin straight up in the air, is a gasser um doesn't have the best top control you can get back up so this has all the ingredients for daun to come out here and, and knock this guy out and make a big showcase it's just my issue with daun is like sometimes you know i hate talking about which version is going to show up because i truly feel like that discredits the fighter uh, it discredits the opponent excuse me but my issue with daun sometimes is like the volume can be on the lower side. Like sometimes this dude will go out there and knock out Kennedy and Zetruku in under two minutes. And Kennedy is known for historically being super durable. But then other times, Daun Jung will go out there and not beat Sam Alvey. We'll go to a draw with Sam Alvey. And at the time, I made excuses for him, you know, saying like, dude, he, he, he thought it was a joke. You know, he thought, he, he thought it was this one big joke. You know, he's wearing his sunglasses to the weigh ins. Uh, didn't even take Alvi seriously. And I actually got the chance to interview Daun Jung. You know, go back and check it out if you want to get to know the guy. I had him on for like close to an hour. Super cool dude. He said he had a bad weight cut. My thing is like, dude, I don't give a fuck if you had the worst weight cut. I don't give a shit if you took the fight on a day short notice. Like, you should be steamrolling Sam Alvi. Like, there's no excuse. So I think that sometimes the volume can be on the lower side for Daun. But other times, the guy's devastating. You saw what he did to Mike Rodriguez. You saw what he did to Kennedy. You saw what he did to Cadiz. I mean, 
uh, weather the storm and then got him out of there, man. So, and when he went up there against uh, William Knight, it was Dawoon showing some disgusting takedowns, uh, some some body locks and just like manhandling someone. So I've seen the glimpses of the talent. You know, I'm not going to hold the Dustin Jacoby fight against him. I mean, you stand and bang with a glory striker and you get knocked out. I mean, that's not like an insult to your ability. It's just when you go, like it's like Strickland and Pereira, you go toe-to-toe with a glory uh, kickboxer, a glory champion, you get knocked out. You got no one to blame but yourself. So him getting knocked out by Dustin Jacoby has zero impact on how I view his fight with Devin Clark. Devin Clark is the the polar opposite of Dustin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby, a credentialed striker. Devin Clark, you know, blitzes with his chin straight up in the air. So it's just about can Devin Clark outwork Daun? Is Daun going to pull one of these stunts where, you know, he doesn't quite get going until the third round and, you know, he gets pressed up against the fence and can't quite find his rhythm? If it's one of those, then maybe Devin Clark's live. But honestly, if Daun shows up like I want Daun to show up, then he's going to knock this guy out in the first or second round. And that will be my official pick to, uh, you know, take Daun Jung to defeat Devin Clark. It's too bad the line got away from me, so I'm fine passing. But, yeah, Daun Jung is my official pick, and I think he's got knockout potential in this spot. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcin Taibura. He's 23-7, and seven, taking on Blagoy Ivanov, who's 19-4. and four. And currently they got it. Marcin Tibura, minus 135. The comeback on Blagoy Ivanov is plus 115. So I think this is this has the potential. Obviously, it's heavyweight, so either guy could get knocked out. But I think this fight has the potential to be one of those super close heavyweight fights, 1-1 going into the third round. Uh, so it, it's one of those things. But, like, it opened minus 185, Tibura, right? So a lot of people snatched up that plus 160, that plus 155, that plus 150, that plus 145. On Blagoy, and I don't think that's a bad bet because for the most part, Blagoy is able to kind of make these fights a bit close. And you know, back in the day, Blagoy was a guy that beat Fedor in a Sambo match. But you know, I heard I forget which podcast I heard this on, but I heard that like in the gym, Francis and Gannon was out here having his way with Blagoy. Not that that means shit, you know, in a fight with uh with um uh, Tybura, but just saying, like, uh, man, I miss having Francis as the heavyweight champion. It's just kind of fucked up that like the kind of pride you have in like the UFC having the best fighters on planet earth. And when Jones and Cyril gone fight, and I can't wait for that fight, you can't truly call the winner, the baddest man on the planet. That's actually super frustrating for me, but back to this, I think Tybura has got a good volume style. Um, back in the day, you've seen him knock dudes out with head kicks. You've also seen him mix in takedowns. Um, if you start to slow down on a guy like Tybura, uh, like I said, he can rack up the volume. He know he's very educated, knows how to go out there, win these decisions. My thing with Blagoy is, t- uh, historically speaking, he fights close. So that's where I can see you know people come in on that plus 150, on that plus 160, that plus 145, getting some value out of it if this is indeed going to be that close fight. I'm going to slightly edge Marcin Tabura because I do think that the volume difference will, you know, let me just... You know, it's funny because on paper, the volume difference isn't even that big. <laughs> it's just kind of like a thing where Tybura kind of has him slightly edged in every category. Um, so I think if it's a close decision, I think that Tybura should get it done. But again, it's heavyweight. There could be a knockout on either side. It could be a close split decision. It could be an ugly fight. I lean Tybura, not interested in playing it at the price. Now, next up 
in the featherweight division, we got the return of the Korean Superboy, Duho Choi. He's 14 and 4, taking on Kyle Nelson, who is 13 and 5. Currently, they got it. Duho Choi, minus 190. The comeback on Kyle Nelson's plus 160. So, I mean, this is the UFC's attempt to try to get Duho Choi back on track. Like, dude, we're giving you one last chance. We're literally giving you a bottom of the barrel guy who's one in four in the UFC, who is not the toughest guy. Maybe has a little bit of pop early on, you know, while he's fresh and his shots. Okay. So maybe Duho can get knocked out early. But if this is an extended fight, I got Duho Choi. If it's an if it's a knockout, it could go either way, but I lean Duho Choi there. It's just about is Duho damaged goods. He came into the UFC. He was knocking everybody out. Once he had that war, and I mean war, with Cub Swanson, he wasn't quite the same. Then Jeremy Stevens knocked him out. Then uh, Air Jordan knocked him out, which are two studs. You know, two guys. You know what those guys would do uh, to even Jeremy Stevens at this point in his career? You know what these guys would do to Kyle Nelson? So the UFC is throwing Duho a, a bone. It's just a matter of, is he going to be like my dog when you give him a bone? And then he hides the bone like under the couch or like somewhere you don't see the bone for like a year later. Or is he going to take the bone and devour it? Because if Duho Choi takes that bone and devours it, I think he can come out here and knock Kyle Nelson out. But if this kid is damaged goods, then it could just be an ugly low level fight. I'm going to go Duho Choi. Like, like Duho, like Hunter Campbell, Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, they're doing, they're, they're, literally digging to the bottom of the barrel to give you a win but that that doesn't mean shit though i mean you saw two weeks ago they gave shogun an zero and one guy in shogun's retirement fight and i thought to myself like man they really dug to the bottom bottom of the roster to get shogun a win and even that guy walked through shogun right <laughs> i was like oh my god this is bad so duho duo's more talented than this guy duho's just better more skilled tougher all that but is duho still do is it still the korean Superboy, or, or you know what i'm saying is it the korean uh whatever the opposite of a Superboy is you know what i'm saying because if he's got anything left he's gonna torch kyle nelson i just can't say with confidence that he does have anything left so for that reason it's a pass for me now this next fight i do have a bet on because next up in the welterweight division we got a matchup between yusaku kinushota um Kinoshita, he's six and one, but really he's seven and zero oh because if you watch his one loss, it's actually like his most brutal knockout. <laughs> like, and the funniest thing about it is, so he gets DQ'd, right? So okay, so let me paint the picture. Uh, my boy, and, and I call him Japanese Connor. I'll tell you why I, I call him Japanese Connor in a bit. And some people got mad when I called him that. Some people were like, "Hey, that's a dope name." Other people were kind of like. Oh, that's reckless. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, what what are you trying to insinuate something? You're trying to say that I'm implying something? Like, like what like what are you trying to say by by calling me reckless for calling him Japanese Connor? To me, he's a badass fighter, and I think that's a badass nickname. So go fuck yourself. But anyways, the reason why he had that loss and he was uh DQ'd was this. So check this out. So my boy Yusaku Kinoshota, and like it's much easier for Americans to just call him Japanese Connor than to call him his name, Yusaku Kinoshita. Like, um, anyways, but back to this. So he goes out there, he soccer kicks a guy, then he stomps him unconscious, right? 
But that's not why he got DQ'd, guys. <laughs> the reason he got DQ'd is because while he was stomping a motherfucker out, he was grabbing the fence while doing so. So it was a situation when you stop a, a motherfucker out and they call him the winner, you know? So this guy's undefeated as far as I'm concerned. And boy, is he talented. This is literally the best prospect from Japan that I think I've ever seen. I mean, this kid is talented and I'm very, very, very impressed with what he brings to the table. So the Connor comparisons are for a couple of reasons. Firstly, he's got that swag. And this is a guy who, what I love is he switches stances mid-combo. It's one thing to do a lot of stance switching, which I love too, but to switch stances mid-combo, beautiful. That's that's some high-level shit. His pull counters are absolutely disgusting. And if you start to overextend on a guy like uh, Japanese Connor, on a guy like Hinoshita, if you start to get a little uh, you know, carried away, a little overzealous, he will knock you unconscious. He will knock your head into the fifth row. Like, he will put up a highlight. He will look spectacular doing it. You take him down, he's popping back up. Like, this kid's got the confidence. He's got the swag. He's got the style. And he's only 7-0. and 0. And I talk about it all the time. These kids with 10 or less pro fights, you're going to be seeing these big leaps every single time they fight. So the only thing I'm worried about is, you know, the flight from Japan, Hopefully he came in time. I actually heard his his flight came in a little late, so hopefully he's not too jet lagged. But the good news is I have seen him come out here and uh, you know perform at the apex like he did on Contender Series. Uh, so yeah, no, Noshita is the man, and the reason why I love this matchup for him, he's taking on Adam Fugit. Who listen, man, Adam's a nice guy. Adam's gonna go out here and try to put on a show. He's got a bit of a wrestling background, but like. What do you talk about a setup fight? So listen to this. So I heard this interview with Adam Fugit, um, and he was talking about how, like, you know how the fighters can go to the UFC PI, the Performance Institute, and they can get all these tests done about where they stack up athletically just overall and then where they stack up with the rest of the UFC. And listen to this. Adam admitted this shit on an interview that I heard. Adam goes on this interview and he talks about how, so I went to the UFC PI and got all these tests done, and they let me know that, um, they let him know that he's below average in multiple areas. They're like, you're below average here. You're below average here, 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 here. Here are a ton of things that you need to work up to, to just simply get to the average level at the UFC. So I got a dude that's below average fighting my uh, top Japanese prospect. <laughs> and the guy, one thing I like about Fugit, like I said, he's tough. He's entertaining. He's got a massive reach. He's got a 77-inch reach, some wrestling. Okay. But just the way they match up stylistically, like when you hear Fugit's interview, not only did he mention how the PI told him he's below average, but he also talked about how, like, you know, I kind of view myself like a gatekeeper for these kids. So I'm going to go out there and put on a show. Adam, I love it, man. That's exactly what you are. Like, way to be self-aware. You are a gatekeeper for this kid. The UFC has zero plans for you. The UFC want to set up Japanese Connor with a KO win. So that's pretty much what's going to happen here. If you want to come out here, put on a show, be entertaining, and take the L, I, I'm all for it. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I think that they're going to have a fun, honest scrap. But at some point, Adam Fugit is going to overextend. And that'll be the time when uh, you guys see why I call this kid Japanese Connor. And, uh, yeah, I think that he might be uh, someone to look out. He, I think he might be one of the best Japanese prospects we've ever seen.
Um, you know, I know Tyra's on the card. Tyra's great. But, man, they're, they are super technical down there at uh, – at flyweight so you know tyra once he gets past these you know cans he's been fighting then let's see what's up and same thing with, with uh japanese connor but like there's a there's just a different kind of swag there's a different kind of precision and I, i'm gonna start using some connor terms precision beats you know you know what i'm saying all that but like bottom line all bullshit aside this is a setup fight and as long as you know kinoshota doesn't come out here and pull like a zell huber and just stare at his opponent or, you know, some kind of debut stunt, he's going to knock this guy out viciously. So I played Japanese Connor straight up at minus 280. Currently, and I didn't even, I didn't even mention the odds, I don't think. Currently, they got at Yusuko, uh, Yusaku Kinoshita, Japanese Connor, minus 325, and the comeback on Adam Fugitz, plus 270. So I took it minus 280. I thought there was value on that straight. Now he's minus 325. I think you can bet it up to minus 400. So, um yeah like as all it, it, this will like the only way he loses this fight is a stunt like there's no way he's gonna get out techniqued by adam fugget there, there's no way that you know like the way that japanese connor loses this fight is a stunt but the way that fugit loses this fight is a devastating vicious knockout is, is a demoralizing beatdown. it's kind of like a hey you are that gatekeeper that you were talking about you are below average like the ufcpi said and as a result that's why you're opening up the main car against one of the best japanese prospects that we've ever seen so i got you uh yusaku japanese connor kinoshita to come out here and knock out adam fuga devastatingly now and real quick i want to address a couple comments um io said below average that's brutal hey those not that's what the ufcpi told him on multiple categories dan said dude's calling dan out for cultural cultural appropriation on the connor name our high level fun boys dude like to imply that i like i'm first generation american my first language wasn't even english my mom's mexican my dad's romanian like to sit here and act like i'm trying to like like imply something or say the only thing i'm trying to imply is that you uh yusako kinushota is a bad motherfucker and his style reminds me of a japanese connor that's it i'm not trying to say any other shit so for whoever's trying to you know you know try to make me look a certain way fuck you you know what i'm saying fuck you if you know me long enough you already know how accepting i am of every of everyone that reciprocates that right yeah everyone that's nice to me i'm nice to you back and i don't give a shit about where you're from or this or that you know we have we had someone come out the closet the other day on mma twitter i mean i felt like i've known it was old news to me for like two years but like people making a big deal about it who gives a shit guys calm down but back to this i'm gonna keep calling him japanese connor because that's what he because i mean i think it's a fitting nickname and i think he is that badass now next up in the lightweight division we got a matchup between anshul jubilee representing india taking on jekka saragi um representing indonesia and uh jubilee is six and oh and saragi jekka is 13 and two currently they got it jubilee minus 120 jekka plus 100 um and jekka actually opened minus 175 listen 
so you saw how impressed I was with Kinoshita, you know, calling him Japanese Connor and this and that. These guys, however, I'm not impressed with at all. Um, you know, I, I think that Jekka maybe has a bit more upside, you know, a little bit more experience, and he actually does have some devastating uh, knockout power. See, see, my boy Eric gets it. It's a great nickname and helps promoting the guy. Exactly. You think my American friends are going to remember the name Yusaku Kinoshita? Probably not. But you know what? The, but you call a guy Japanese Connor, and they'll be like, oh, I can't wait to see him fight. So damn right. You you get it, dude. You understand what I'm trying to say here. Like, God damn, man. Like, some of the comments I got, I was like, yeah. I was like, are you stupid? <laughs> you know? But anyways, back to Jubilee and Saragi. I think Saragi is very low volume. I saw him got jabbed up by jobbers. But, man, when he lets his hands go, he's got that one-hander quitter. He can knock people He can knock people the fuck out. And the thing with Jubilee, so it, what's interesting about Jubilee is, like, I actually like his approach. I like the fact that the guy's got volume. I like the fact that he's tough. I like the fact that he goes forward, makes it a fight. Like Those are great qualities. My issue is, athletically speaking, I think that he's a vicious knockout waiting to happen. I think that, okay, either of these guys can win this fight. Like, I'm, I'm going to pick uh, Jekka, okay, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, both these guys, like, this time next year are either not going to be in the UFC or are going to be, like, one and two, you know, on, on the way. Like, these guys, <laughs> we're talking about the 155-pound the division, okay? Do you know what... <laughs> You know, like the majority, like who's a guy that's like unranked? Like, okay, do you know what like Matt Frivola would do to Jubilee and Jekka Saragi? And like, dude, it's just it's just a completely different level. When you're talking about 155, you better be fucking good. And these guys, no offense, I don't see them sticking around. I'll pick Jekka to get it done, but you know, another fight. Where maybe a step up from the last one, but also kind of like, eh, is this next bout in the featherweight division between Jayi's 21 and 3. 21 and 3. It's, it's a padded 21 and 3. Taking on Jung Young Lee, who's 9 and 1. Currently, they got it. Jung Young Lee minus 250 to come back on Zisha. Yi Za is plus 210. So out of these two, I think that Jung Young Lee is the better one. He kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Korean Superboy, a poor man's Duho Choi. Like they actually look very similar. Like you, you'd think they're brothers. Like they, their faces, like they, they got the same facial expression, same hair, kind of same demeanor. So like Jung Young Lee, kind of like a poor man's uh, uh, Duho Choi. You know he's violent. He'll go to war. It's just when he's not getting his early uh, stoppages. That's when fights get kind of ugly. And with this guy, Zayi, uh, like, his record's 21-3, and three, but it's a padded, fake 21-3 and three record. And I've seen this guy go out there. He'll shoot for takedowns from a mile away. And... Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Nick. Good comment. Um, but anyways... My issue is Jai, besides the the fake 21 and 3 record, is that like this guy will shoot for takedowns from a mile out and then he'll get stopped and he'll hang out in the turtle position. Um and 
you know, as a as a jujitsu guy myself, you know, I love turtle, but I love turtle to get back up. I love turtle to sweep. I love turtle to create a scramble. This guy will just hang out on the turtle. And in MMA, you're gonna be eating shots, man. So that's not good. I mean, if you're just so low level, he can kind of work you over. But I think that record's padded. I think is a very low level fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Zhang Young Lee. I think he's got a little bit more potential um, and a little more swag, but. I ain't laying no minus 250 on him. Like, I don't think he's anything special. There's two guys making their debut that I think are special. One's Japanese Connor, but these last two fights, I don't think these guys, I mean, you're talking about the featherweight division. Do you know what will happen when Jung Young Lee and, and Zai and Za Yi fight? Like, who are some unranked guys at featherweight? Like, let, let, like let's pull this shit up. Like, hold on. I, I got to see. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the roster. I love pulling up the roster because it's like you just gotta put some context into it. Um so who are some featherweights that like are nowhere near the rankings? Okay. So they released uh Jay Perrin. All right, but anyways, uh Okay, here we go. I found it. So let's see who are who are some unranked featherweights, right? Like, okay, Sean Woodson's an unranked featherweight. You know what Sean Woodson would do to both these guys? You know what Billy Q would do to both these guys? You know what Nate Landwehr would do to these guys? You know what Bill Algio would do to these guys? You know what Louis Saldana, fucking David Onama, like, bro, like I, I'm telling y'all right now, like. These two, like someone's gonna win this fight, someone's gonna lose this fight. But going forward, you're gonna have to be so damn careful matching these guys up. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now. Like, so I think that the last four guys I mentioned, Jubilee, uh Saragi, Zai, and Zhang Young Lee, I don't think they stick around. But oh, and yeah, okay. But next up, here's a prospect I'm excited about. So next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Rinya Nakamura. He's 6-0, representing Japan, taking on uh, another Japanese fighter in Toshiomi Kazama, who's 10-2. Currently, they got it. Um, Rinya Nakamura, minus 425, the comeback on uh, Toshiomi Kazama, uh, plus 350. So two Japanese fighters. And Rinya, just like I was talking about Japanese Connor, uh, Kinoshita, Rinya Nakamura is a badass. Like, this dude will hang around in the UFC. This is a prospect you got to look out for. So people, like, talk about him, like, with this wrestling background, right? But when I'm seeing in his fights, he's knocking dudes the fuck out. He's got a disgusting sprawl. He can scramble. He's got that confidence. He's built. He's in great shape. I mean, this is, this is a good prospect. So Rinya Nakamura, man. And it's funny, I was calling um, Kinoshita, you know, Japanese Connor, and I kind of had a comparison for Rinya too. Um, it's not, you know, as good of a name as Japanese Connor, but I was thinking Japanese Robbie, Robbie Lawler, man. I mean, this guy stands from that southpaw stance, goes to war, has a deep sprawl, will make you pay for bad takedown attempts. And um, just kind of the way he moves and fights kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, kind of like a green uh, Robbie Lawler. So... 
I like Rinya Nakamura. I think he's going to be devastating. I think that he's going to win fights inside the octagon. So he's someone you got to look out for. His opponent, Toshiomi Kazama, look, he's better than some of these other guys making their debut. And he's done some cool shit, man. I mean, he went out there and hit an inverted triangle, like, in an MMA fight not too long ago. Um, so he's got some cool shit going on for him. You know, some decent submissions. But... It's going to be tough to do that against Rinya. Rinya is going to sprawl hard. Rinya is going to make this guy pay, and Rinya is going to get him out of there. So I think Rinya Nakamura is the second best prospect making his debut on this card right after Kinoshita, and I think he's going to walk through Kazama. Now, this next one in the flyweight division, kind of another throwaway fight. We got Hyung Sung Park. He's 7 0, taking on Sung Guk Choi, who is 6 1. Currently, they got it. Uh, Hyung Sung Park minus 190, Sung Guk Choi plus 160. So, like, yeah, you're talking about flyweight here. These guys, this, these guys won't stick around at flyweight in our flyweight division. Like, when guys like Cody Durden are unranked, like, do you know what Cody Durden would do to Hyung Sung Park and Sung Guk Choi? Um, it's just a different era of the sport now, and these are the guys you're bringing in. Like, I get it. You had to showcase some talent, but you got your Kinoshitas. You got your Nakamuras. Those are the guys that are going to, you know, kind of wave the torch for, you know, the up-and-coming Asian MMA. It ain't going to be Hyung Sung Park and Sung Guk Choi. I'll tell you that now. Hyung Sung Park, for a flyweight, I do not like the volume at all takes his time to find his range. I mean, finally, when he lets his hands go, he lets them go. But, like, at flyweight, at the UFC level, like, maybe at the regional level, you can take breaks at flyweight, you know, 30-second lapses of inactivity at the UFC. They fight at a different pace, man. And I'm not sure how Hyung Sung Park is going to deal with the UFC pace. And early on in this fight, I think that Choi might actually give him some issues. It's just that Choi tends to slow down as fights progress, and Hyung Sung Park is the opposite. He tends to ease into the fight. So I think Hyung Sung Park wins the longer it goes, but I don't see either of these guys being in the UFC next time, this time next year, let alone in the flyweight division. Like, is uh, what's the name of the former LFA champ, the kid that just ta- uh, that, that just knocked out uh, Jimmy Flick, Charles Johnson? Charles Johnson, right? Uh, energy, the guy, the bald guy with the fucking stupid thing on his head. Do you know what energy would do to Hyung Sung Park and Sung Guk Choi? And I'm not even convinced energy is ranked. Like, so I'm just saying, man, you got to be very careful which guys they're letting into the UFC. Nakamura, like I said, Kinoshita, they're going to hang. These other guys, not so sure. Now, Next up in the flyweight division, we got Ji Yan Kim. She's nine six and two, taking on Mandy Bohm, who is seven and two. Currently, they got it. Ji Yan Kim minus two sixty five. The comeback on Mandy Bohm is plus two twenty five. So, listen, I like Ji Yan Kim better than Mandy Bohm. Mandy Bohm hasn't shown me shit. Mandy Bohm, the only thing she's shown me is hesitancy and just not the toughest, doesn't belong, not the most skilled. Like, what's she doing here? Well, she's what she's doing here. She's being brought in on the Asian showcase card to give Jian Kim a win. Jian Kim's coming off a four-fight skid, desperately needs to get back in the win column, and that's why she's fighting Mandy Bum. Here's my issue. So back in the day, I wanted to max bet Jian Kim against someone named Melinda Fabian, who is a what you guys would like to refer to as a bum, you know, someone that doesn't belong, kind of like Mandy Bohm doesn't belong. And guess what? It was still a split decision in that Jian Kim fight. So even when she's like, 
when it looks like a mismatch on paper, she still has this ability to fight super close with everybody. So I'm not trying to win uh, a split decision at minus 265, and I'm not trying to lose a split decision at minus 265. Like, I don't – split decisions and minus 265. If we're it, plus 265 on a split decision, then I'm interested. But I'm not laying chalk on a fight that's going to be 1-1 going to the third round. It's 1 a.m., 2 a.m. The judges already suck. Now, with some sleep deprivation, you think that's going to make them better? I don't think so. I got Gian King because I think she's tougher, more experienced, and better. But I've said that about her in other matchups, and she's found a way to lose those too. Give me a Gian Kim via, via decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle. He's 15 and 5, taking on Dennis Chiluan, who is 11 and 6. Currently, they got it. Jung Young Park minus 200. The comeback on Dennis Chiluan is plus 170. This is kind of like one of those. <laughs> can I even use the word binary anymore? Right? Because now, now, like people, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, can I qualify binary anymore without someone being like, I identify this fight as non-binary? Like, like. Anyways, um, I think that Jung Young Park is the far more experienced guy here. And one thing that he brings to the table is he, is he has that ability to go out there and chain takedown after takedown after takedown, which is something that I love, right? Um, my issue is that sometimes Jung Young Park, uh, my issue as a betting man, my it's not an issue as a fan. As a fan, I love the fact that this guy will go out there and stand and bang with anyone. But as a betting man, when you're laying a price like this, when you're laying chalk, I need. Um, what do I need? What's the word I always use? Like I need like some assurances. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I need I need to know for a fact. Like hey, like we're gonna come out here and we're gonna grind this guy out because if he stands and bangs with Dennis Chaluin, like Dennis Chaluin is one of these guys. Kind of reminds me of like a Russian James Vic, and I don't mean Vic. You know, you know, coming off like five losses in a row. I meant like Vic, like when he first came into the UFC when he was nine and one. I bet, I bet a lot of y'all didn't know that Vic started his, his first 10 fights in his UFC career, 9-1. and one. The reason I compare them is Dennis Chaluan, long striker, a guy that can really mix it up, starting to feel more comfortable. My issue with Dennis Chaluan is for a Russian fighter, he gets, you know, it, look, his takedown defense and his get-ups are getting better, and he's very tough. Like, he'll let you choke him out. But usually you expect a higher caliber of, of, of grappling overall from the Russian fighters and not that Dennis Shaluan isn't addressing that, you know, he's in Vegas. So I know he's getting the right looks. I know he's going to be leveling up every single fight It's just historically speaking. He's a very dangerous striker. He's long fights behind a jab, nice knees, nice straight punches. It's just that when he gets taken down, starts to starts to fatigue, makes it harder to get back up and eventually can give up a bad position. So that's what I'm worried about. If John Young Park comes out here relentlessly trying to wrestle, it's his fight. You know, it's just that if John Young Park, you know, the Iron Turtle wants to, you know, stand and bang for the fans staying up late watching, you know, in Asia, um, he could hit the deck here. So my pick is John Young Park. But if John Young Park, for whatever reason, decides, hey, I'm not going to wrestle this fight. I'm going to stand and bang like I did with RoboCop. Uh, De Dennis is live for a knockout in that scenario, but I don't think he's live in a scenario where he's getting grinded out. So I'm going to pick Jung Young. It's just zero interest in, in betting it. Now, last but not least, kicking off the card. Man, we flew by this fucking card, huh? We got 
what many people consider to be the best Japanese prospect in the UFC right now, Tatsuro Taira. He's 12 and 0, taking on Jesus Aguilar, who is 8 and 1. And currently they got it Tatsura Tyra minus eleven fifty. The comeback on Jesus Aguilar is plus eight fifty. So what's funny about this is initially when I saw the fight get matched up, I was like, damn, like, you know, this kid Aguilar can give him a tough fight. He's a champion in another organization. He's got a nasty guillotine choke. Um, he's willing to bang with anyone. But then when I went back and I rewatched the fights on Aguilar, I didn't realize how small this guy was. I didn't realize. My boys, uh, I know it's 20, uh, 23. You, you can't call people midgets anymore, right? Now, now, now you'll, uh, you'll get canceled for that, right? My, my boys a bit on, uh, on, <laughs> my, my boys a bit on the shorter side. Um, so when I, when I went back and watched, cause, cause initially like pre-tape, I was thinking like, yo, hey, Sue, he's that champion in that other organization with that nasty guillotine. He's got a lot of balls. He's Mexican fights with a lot of spirit. I like him. But when you compare the size of him and, and Tyra, Tyra's got an eight-inch reach advantage. Tyra's a physical kid. When Tyra takes the back, chances are he's either going to choke you out or that round is over and he wins. His kicks are nasty, and he's just a kid. He's getting more comfortable every single time he fights. So, um, yeah, he's. I, I think Tyra's going to come out here and uh, – and destroy uh jesus and i think jesus will be back like i like jesus he's got balls he's like that he's like probably like he's like that dude that's like five foot two but has like the like the the you know the model girlfriend like he strikes me as that little dude with big balls like i like him it's just you know he's a little bit too little you know if <laughs> if this was like invicta terms he'd be a <laughs> he'd be a straw weight right uh, i'm being a dick i like i like i like jesus he fights with a lot of heart. Like, I like him. He comes to bang. Like, his final contender series, he was fighting a dude with 10 knockouts on his record. Jesus has zero knockouts on his record. And Jesus was banging with him. So, like, I, I like the kid. It's just, uh, look, he's going to get um, positionally dominated here. Might even get badly hurt standing. And I think that there is a chance that uh, Tyra comes out here. And, look, I, I think it's without a doubt he's going to win. It's just... Uh, I think there's a chance for a first-round finish. I think there's a chance for a second-round finish. But I think there's a chance for a 30-26. So I'm going to go Tyra, um, you know. So it's just cool that we have, like, there was a while where Japan did not have a good prospect. Like, there was a time when Yushin Okami was the top Japanese prospect. Yushin Okami was the guy who, you know, I mean, did he fight for a title against Rich Franklin? Because I remember he, oh no, he fought for a title against um, Anderson Silva. And he actually fought Anderson twice. Back in the day on Rock on the Rumble, Anderson knocked him out with an upkick. They call they called it illegal. When you knock a man out and they call him the winner. Beautiful technique, by the way. And then he fought uh, Anderson again in Brazil and Anderson defended his title against him. So there has been a Japanese male fighter to fight for a belt before. And that's Yushin Okami. But I think Tatsuro Taira. I think Nakamura, and I think especially Japanese Conor Kinoshita, these guys represent the new wave of Japanese fighters, and I think they can. can I, I think they can mix it up with, uh, you know, as long as you develop them correctly, as long as you give them the right, you know, incremental step up in, in competition. I think these are guys that can compete down the line with with good fighters. So I'm excited about them very much. All right, so I'm gonna talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. And then after that, I'm down to answer any questions y'all might have for me because I know we got through this pretty quick. Um, if not, I'm about to go eat some Brazilian steak. Uh, so 
anyways, the fight to watch. And, and shout out to my boy Dom. He said, smash the like uh, for Lewis KO. Smash the like for half the battle. And what's up? What's up, Mushroom? What's up, buddy? Hope you're uh, eating good. I'm about to make you proud when I go to the Brazilian Steakhouse. Anyways, the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 68. Um, I mean, I think that the fight to watch is probably Duho Choi versus Kyle Nelson. I mean, Duho Choi win, lose, or draw. The guy goes to war every single time. They're giving him such a favorable matchup. Like, let's go, let's go out there and starch this guy, get back on track, and you know, show everybody why. Like, dude, like, I don't know if y'all remember when the Korean Superboy first came into the UFC and the knockouts he had the war he had with Swanson, like show that you've recovered from it, man, because you were a guy that people had high hopes for when you first entered the octagon and Nelson, you know, he, uh, he might not be, uh, the best. He's not the best at all, <laughs> but he can bang from time to time. So it should be a fun fight. So I'm curious to see Duho Troy versus Kyle Nelson. And then my fighters to watch, I said fighters plural, because I got three fighters to watch. And they're my, my, my three Japanese prospects. Um, Yusaku, uh, Japanese Connor, Kinoshita. Like, bro, look the fuck out. Like, that's, I'm so pumped about him. I'm pumped about Nakamura. And then, of course, Tyra. So it's cool that finally, after all these years, like, they've been looking for a Japanese star. And I think they potentially found three. So, you know, now it's up to these guys to go out there and let's see if it materializes. All right, so I'm down to answer some fan questions before I get out of here. Um, so I'm going to scroll up in the chat, and you guys let me know uh, what y'all think. Dean says, this guy looks like Sergey Spivak's brother. I look like a polar bear, huh? I, I appreciate it. Hey, I'll take it as a compliment, man. Um, Tiger Bomb says, I see Dan got hooked up with the graphics. Yeah, you know, I'm testing out a few different artists, and we'll see which direction uh, I decide to go with. Um, Let's see. Eric says GC from MMA fighting brought me here. Oh, that's fucking awesome. You know, I like him a lot. Can you, uh, by chance, did he talk about me on aerial shows or did he just tell you on DM? Either way, let me know. That's fucking great. I like him a lot. He's actually an Atlanta guy too. So yeah, Connor, great dude. Let me know, uh, where he said that. And I appreciate that very much. Um, my boy Will Martin in the house. Smash the like button. Smash the like button. And then after this, go check out his video on smash the like button. Uh, Antonio Esparza says, Derek Lewis can be 50 and still KO UFC fighters. Agreed. Power's the last thing to go. Um, Dominic says, does this training regimen um, he's been doing make a difference? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, but the people that were out here being like, oh, Derek Lewis looks like he's getting ready to drop the 205. Like, shut your fucking mouth. What are you talking about, dude? Like, he lost 10, 15 pounds, and now he's going <laughs> to... Yeah, like, the shit I see people say, man, it's just crazy. Io says, I'm not sold on Spivak. I think Lewis finds the button and knocks him out. I mean, you know that that's a possible outcome. That's absolutely a possible outcome. Random Malakis or my boy Random Marcos, our inner joke says top three MMA pods out there. Who, who are the other two? Longest standing though, longest standing. You know where it's at. Um, let's see. Io giving some appreciation to uh, to Jamal Hill. You know what I'm saying? As you should. Went the whole five rounds and looked great. And I don't think y'all should be surprised. You saw that get up game. 
in his debut against Dosich. You saw that getup game against Tiago Maheta. You've seen him dig deep and lay around. So I, some of the narratives I was hearing going into that fight, it was just stupid. Um, the fact that Glover didn't go out and even landed a takedown in the last round is absolutely insane. Hill is the guy. He is. Get up game like Jose Aldo, output like a little guy, power like in Ganu. Like, God damn, bro. Um, all right, let's see. Let's see what else y'all got for me. Um, creeps, a, <laughs> creep, what a funny name. Olivas agreed with you on the analysis of it. Oh, that's nice. I'm, I'm glad he agreed with me. I like him. Um, Tyra is a beast, so slick. Yeah, yes, yes, he is. Ayo saying below average. Damn, that's brutal. Yeah, the UFC told Adam Fugit that he was below average in multiple areas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I and I think that'll be on full display uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning. However, uh, it's gonna be for you. Tristan says Rinya, a quality Japanese prospect. Yeah, like I said, one of the guys to watch. Um, let's see. My boy Neo said, after four years, I finally caught one live. I'm in the building. Welcome to the building, man. Appreciate you being here. Um, let's see what else we got. Chris says, is it true you have tried jujitsu? <laughs> That's funny. I got the first strike on my purple belt last week. You know what I'm fucking saying? Um, yeah, so... Let me see. 420 MMA fix. Sleep deprived judges made, made him laugh. Hey, I hope you're not laughing Saturday night if they have an impact on one of your bets, my guy. Um, John Kelly, what's up, my guy? Tire of your murder? Yeah, well, if his price tag's any indication, I'd say that you're probably correct. Um, I.O. says Brazilian steak sounds so good, doesn't it, bro? Doesn't it? Especially when you know all the authentic hole-in-the-wall spots where you better speak a couple words of Portuguese if you, you know, if if you want to be, if you want to get the special service, you know what I'm saying? Which I always do, so fuck yeah, dude. Um, Tristan said, good luck on your bets. Thank you. Just one bet now, uh, Kinoshita, Japanese Connor, but I will have more bets on the next event, which I'm excited about. Uh, Dominic asked me, have you put your bet in for bones versus gone yet you know i actually watched tape on it and i have a pick and i think people might be surprised by what my pick is and if the line stays where it is i will be uh betting on a side in that fight uh my boy lou i love lou's uh he said dan the man i love his uh his twitter bio because you know i'm a connoisseur in that area too if you know what i mean <laughs> um mushroom said did you watch my lewis bivak breakdown video on twitter uh nah but send it to me and i'll watch it sorry i uh i'm just like oh i'm just always all over the place but yeah if you send it to me i'm more than happy to watch it and i'm always more than happy to see what you're lunching on too lou i said mma lock of the night is back yeah um listen man i mean i've already said everything i had to say about that right like uh you know i am a believer in second chances for sure 100 but i'm a believer in second chances for certain things you know like so just historically speaking, I'm a 33-year-old grown-ass man, and I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but most of the mistakes that I make are like sometimes I'll say something mean that I don't 
you know, that maybe like 30, you know, 30 minutes later, I'll cool down and be like, man, I shouldn't have said that. You know what? I'm sorry. Give me a second chance. So that, you know, again, that I've fucked up many times in my life, um, but it's always been, you know, maybe just saying something I didn't mean or being an asshole sometimes or whatever, but it's never been stealing someone's money and then lying about it. So that's where I draw the line when you talk about second chances. Cause like, I do believe like now granted we, we live in a free country. So if other people want to support them, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But the reason why I don't go back from that is because trust is a very big thing with me. You know, uh, when I was in high school, um, I had a friend that I was very, very close with and, you know, me and him, we'd, we'd host these house parties at his house. And once he like got this one girlfriend, he like completely changed. He became completely pussy whipped. And the, and the, <laughs> the place I'm going with this is this. So we had one of our parties. We'd hosted many parties at his house. He had this big ass house and we just had these ridiculous parties. And once he started dating that girl, a bunch of her friends came to the party. Um, and then about like five or 10 of them wanted to jump me. So I go up to, to my buddy, his name, his name, I haven't seen him in 10 years. So, okay. I'll say his name was Derek. I was like, Derek, these guys are trying to jump me. Like, like, you know, let's, cause I mean, listen, 10 verse one, like I'm not an idiot. Right. So I was trying to round up the crew and, uh, Derek was like, um, yeah, uh, uh he was trying to bullshit, you know, conveniently left the room, left me in there with these 10 guys. I had to find my way out. So though that's something you don't come back from not having your friends back lying to your friend, stealing from your friend, cheating, you know, killing. Those are like killing non-innocent people, right? I'm not talking about my people overseas. Shout out to y'all. Y'all make the ultimate sacrifice. But like those are things you don't come back from lying to your friends. You don't come back from cheating, stealing, not having your friends back when shit's about to go down. Those are the things you don't come back from. The things you come back from are, hey, man, I lost my temper. I said some shit I didn't mean. Um, I'm going to learn from this and be back better. Or if your friend has like a drug problem and, you know, he acknowledges that head on and is like, Hey, I'm going to get the help I need. I'm going to come back better. Um, and I apologize like for all, for all the, you know, shit I caused you, like you can come back from that. But when you steal money and then you lie about it, and you habitually and pathologically lie and make up scenarios that don't exist and are only now trying to make things right because you got caught and outed. In my opinion, that's not something you come back from. So for me personally, I won't be associating with him ever again um, because he lied to my face, you know, lied to my face. And that's enough for me. I'm a very tolerant guy. It's just when you break my trust, it's very hard for me to come back from that. Now, if other people want to give him another chance, by all means. But I just told y'all the situations where I give people second chances versus where I don't. And breaking trust and lying and stealing and that's like to your friends. Like, I don't need to trash you. I don't need to talk about you. I don't need to know make up some troll accounts and spend my day thinking about you like i don't give a fuck about you you know um but i don't i don't come back from lying stealing cheating from your to your friends or your family those are things i don't come back from but like i said you know if you were an asshole or you 
said some things you didn't mean. Okay, yeah, you can come back from that. No big deal. But there's certain things you don't come back from, and breaking my trust is one of them. All right, let me see what else y'all got for me. <laughs> mushroom said, "Mushroom said, what is my Twitter handle, bro? Is is this um, Rob asking me this? Mushroom, you're Rob, right? Like you know my Twitter's best fight picks. How fucking long have you been following me for, bro? Unless you're someone else, but I'm pretty sure this is this is Rob." Uh, what, that post the amazing lunches every single day. I do. You know exactly what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> but anyways, y'all, I'm so grateful, um, you know, for y'all being here for me, being here with me. Just do me a huge favor. Smash the like button. Hit the subscribe button. When this video is over, please leave me a comment. Um, and I'm always happy to interact with you guys as long as you're showing me respect. You know, I'll, I, I'll, I show respect back. A real deal MMA said, what advice would you give a newbie content creator on YouTube? I'm finding these YouTube algorithms brutal. Yeah, the algorithms, the algorithms are brutal for someone that's established like myself too, man. I mean, so my advice is be genuine. Be yourself. You know, try, try to, you know, don't just do the run-of-the-mill shit that everyone else is doing. Think for yourself. I see... Like I hear other content creators literally using like my catchphrases and shit, like the stand and bang until one man falls vet lesson. Like now you hear other people saying those were those terms. Um, so you, you think that, you know, they're just general terms, but bro, I made that shit up on half the battle, like fucking five years ago. And I ain't getting my credit. Not that I want it, but I'm just saying know where all those terms came from that these other guys are ripping off. So, um, that being said, man, you just have to be yourself, bro. You just have to be yourself and you have to put out content that you're truly passionate about. And don't worry about what anyone else is doing, what anyone else is thinking. Just do what's best for you and be consistent. That's the most important thing. Be consistent. So yeah, Rob, thank you. I'll check that out. Um, my boy Stubblord said he's been watching for almost 10 years, man. I'm so grateful, bro. I appreciate that. All right. Last call for questions. If not, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, and again, just always grateful. So thank you all so much for all your help, uh, support and just showing me love. And, you know, it's, it's just truly an amazing community to be a part of. And, uh, I'm just happy to just share my thoughts and my honesty and just let y'all know how I feel about things. So thank you all. So y'all got 30 seconds to ask me anything else. And if not, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, so yeah, again, very very grateful um so i can't thank y'all enough for for everything man you know because without y'all this show does not exist you know i could be just speaking into a wall but i'm speaking to to y'all so it's pretty amazing that rhymed um anyways thank y'all again before you get out of here smash the like button hit the subscribe button um leave me a comment afterwards and if you're really feeling generous on twitter share this retweet it let people like but only if you genuinely like this and you feel like uh, you feel like I'm bringing something different. You feel like you might get a perspective here. You might not get somewhere else. Or you just find it entertaining. Whatever the case may be. Um, it helps a lot when y'all just hit a simple retweet or a share. Or let people know about the show. Let people know that, like, hey, like, they're doing something different over here. And he's been doing it for years. And he's still trying to get better. So it means a lot to me, the, sh the support y'all show me. So thank y'all again very, very much. I truly, truly appreciate it. 
And until the next time, let's cash these bets.